Welcome, Bird Gang. On today's show, it is officially game week. And from the looks of things, the team is healthy and ready to go. Fingers crossed that statement holds true throughout the week. There is good news, bad news regarding the 53-man roster. And what did the players signed to the practice squad tell us about what is needed depth-wise with this roster? It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 461, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Going for Hopkins, one-handed catch and a touchdown! DeAndre Hopkins! Here's Craig Grealoux and Mike Jarecki. I hope everyone enjoyed the extended weekend. And for those that are still enjoying that extended weekend, we welcome you here. It is officially game week, MJ. And as we say, day one, first practice on Monday, a little bit of a bonus practice, but it was certainly good to see and hear what we saw here earlier at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. All 53 guys that made the 53-man roster were practicing. So yes. that's progress. And just a quick note, Darrell Daniels, who we saw last week working out on the side, was in the mix during the open portion of practice with the tight end. So you're correct. Perfect attendance, which I never got in school. Never once did I show up every single day. Always something happened. Something always. But you didn't. You didn't. Wasn't like you were missing ten to fifteen no, 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 days. No. It was just <laughs> no, one or two. Like that. Yeah, just one or okay. two. Yes. Well, it happens. But you got rewarded at the end of the year. You know, they yeah. announced everyone who had perfect attendance. So on day one, the Cardinals had perfect attendance. And I don't know. You know, we'll get through this week, and then obviously it's a physical sport, and you're going against a physical team. So hopefully they can stay healthy because that's part of being lucky throughout an NFL season. The teams that are playing in January. Usually, your starting quarterback's still upright, and your five-star players are still able to play at a high level. So, yeah, this is good news, but I think it will change in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, there's no guarantee that this is going to last even past this week. But as head coach Cliff Kingsbury said, quote, it was good to have all 53 guys out there and practicing, end quotes. And to your point, sometimes it's not always the most talented team. It's the team that stays the healthiest because that is what you need to get through an entire, what we now is, a 17-game regular season. And then the asterisk here on all of this, and we keep talking about it even during training camp, but COVID-19, it is not going anywhere, and there are a lot of general managers and coaches around the league that are holding their breath considering this three-, four-day break that teams had across the league. We already saw the Dallas Cowboys and the Miami Dolphins as well as early as Monday. It's going to happen. It's just how do you handle that? And then, of course, the depth behind those players, whether it's you lose a starter or a rotation player, how are you equipped to get through that week until you get everyone back on the football field? You know, honestly, I, I, I thought you know last year was, was a week-to-week proposition, and I think it's going to be the same this year. Just because you got vaccinated players and unvaccinated players, the Cardinals are at pretty much 99. 9.9 percent. Um, so, but he, again, uh, it, I, I thought we were past this, but I, I'm optimistic, but I'm also cautious how this is going to shake out because you can wake up one morning and the report's going to be out there, and all of a sudden you start looking, is he vaccinated? 
okay, how many days is he going to miss? If he's unvaccinated, well, he's not playing probably for the next two games. Yeah, it is something that we'll continue to monitor and just hope it just doesn't happen. We'll keep our fingers crossed and do everything that everyone is staying safe this entire 2021 regular season, not just for the Cardinals, but across the National Football League. Now, on that topic, though, since our last show here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, some good news, bad news, if you will, with respects to the roster. The good news, Robert Alford and Justin Pugh activated from the reserve COVID-19 list, both on the practice field earlier on Monday. And hey, we're here, MJ. It is game week and Robert Alford is on the field. Now we just need to get a little bit further down the line as far as him in uniform on Sunday for the first time in three seasons. And I'm sure he's just chomping at the bit. I think he had an outstanding training camp just like prior years before he got injured. He's a physical player. He knows what's at stake right here. You know, look at Byron Murphy. You look at Robert Alford. Let's be honest, those are our two top cornerbacks right now and then we'll find out you know Marco Wilson obviously he's a rookie he's going to have to go through some growing pains the SEC is not the NFL um, but you got to give him a lot of credit he's going to be active on game day he's going to play a role on special teams and I think you know maybe on Saturday we'll see some of these guys from the practice squad possibly get an opportunity to help that secondary out. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up that 17-player practice squad. We'll get into that here momentarily. Remember, it's 17, one additional player for the Cardinals because Bernhard Sykovitz is the international player exemption. Justin Pugh, so you have the entire offensive line now together and on the practice field, something we didn't get to see a lot of during training camp. The bad news in all of this, and this is something that's – I don't know if it should come as a surprise. It's more of a disappointment, if anything, for me. And that is Jordan Phillips being placed on injured reserve with an unknown injury. The move was made, Bergang, on Thursday, September 2nd. So technically he's eligible return three weeks later, which would be Thursday, September 23rd. That's the Thursday before the game at Jacksonville. However, it is very unlikely that he will play that week so he will most likely miss the first three weeks of the regular season he had missed most of training camp got hurt then tested positive for COVID but he was activated off that COVID-19 list on Monday and he looked good at practice he was moving around during the open portion on Tuesday and Wednesday and then we get word on Thursday that they are shutting him down for three weeks. When it comes to Jordan Phillips, it's, it's to a point where, you know, they went out and signed this guy to a nice long-term contract. Obviously, he had a very productive year in Buffalo. They had intel when Vance was with them in Miami. They watched the film. And, uh, again, they need Jordan Phillips. And if he's only going to miss a couple games, then that's going to be the case. But he was on the practice field, and, you know, he's got a nice lucrative contract. And, and you know, I don't want to get him ahead of myself because they're going to need him this year, whether it's 17 games or a couple playoff games. But, it's just disappointing because ability is availability, and he hasn't held up to his end of the bargain so far. And that is something that you always wonder about, especially when you have a player who comes into his own as far as a contract year and really lights it up as he did with the Buffalo Bills and the Cardinals rolled the dice, signed him to a three-year contract, and last season only appeared in nine games, had two separate stints on IR with a hamstring injury, and then you get excited because he comes into training camp healthy, and then something happened. He gets hurt again, and we will not see him for at least the first two weeks of the regular season and I'm 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 just 
I'm going to go out on a limb, MJ, say that he is not going to be available week three against Jacksonville. So three full games that he will miss at least just because if he does get activated that Thursday, September 23rd, I don't think he would be in football shape to be able to contribute against the Jaguars. And that may be the biggest concern. Now he would come back for the first Cardinals um, division game against the Rams. Yeah, I, I, he's got to get into football shape, and you know, hopefully for his sake, it's not nothing lingering where he can practice. And going to Jacksonville, going to Tennessee in the month of September, it's going to be hot and humid. So you got to be in football shape. You you don't want to go out there and cramp up, and that usually happens when you play games in Florida in the month of September. Now, this does bring us back to when we were looking at the roster breakdown and the fact that there were seven defensive lineman kept on that initial 53-man roster and perhaps number seven Michael Dogby someone that the Cardinals are very high on did not want to lose him as far as exposing him to the waiver wire seven is a lot especially when you consider it's a three down lineman look and oftentimes only two defensive linemen for a considerable snap or a series or two yet here they keep seven Probably because during training camp, J.J. Watt missed time, Phillips missed time, Zach Allen missed time, Lucky Foe 2 missed time, Rashard Lawrence missed time. They had guys coming in and out of the lineup throughout training camp because of injury or COVID-19. So it was a benefit for them that they were able to keep seven because now you still have that six-player rotation on the D-line. And you, you start looking at the you know the practice squad as a whole. They did add a couple uh, defensive linemen, Jeremiah Ledbetter and then Jonathan Ledbetter. They're not related. Um, and also, you know, they added some uh, some cornerbacks. But when you look at the D line, you know they're probably going to have to go with this seven right now. And if they have to make a roster move, they do have a couple guys. Um, they haven't played a ton of football. You know, when it comes to games, they've been on the practice squad here and there. So. I got to think based on the, the offseason, and he put weight on, he's a lot stronger. You know, normally Dogby probably would have been the, the, the last guy standing. And if all seven were healthy with Jordan Phillips out, I think he moves up, and they're probably going to dress six on game day. Well, that would be all six that they have on the roster. And especially when you look at those first two weeks, as far as the ground game of the Titans and what the Vikings like to do running the football, a J.J. Watt in there, and Michael Dogby, Corey Peters, the veteran, Zach Allen, Lucky Fotu, Rashard Lawrence, all of those players, I think, are going to have significant time on the field and they are going to be needed it might not be just one guy but a consistent rotation to where you don't need J.J. Watt on the field all the time or Corey Peters on the field all the time but if you keep those players fresh and it's like a hockey line change three in three out two in two out and you just keep it moving as long as you're able to, considering what the Titans and Vikings do during that course of a ball game. But at least on paper, I like how the defensive line sets up, even with Jordan Phillips on IR. Yeah, because all, all the six guys, we you know, even though they, you know, JJ Watt kind of they they slow played him, make sure he's healthy. Corey Peters, obviously, they resigned uh, going in the first day of training camp. So I anticipate Cortez Peters with your nose tackle, and then you'll have JJ Watt and possibly Zach Allen, and then you have the rotation between Lecky, Rashad Lawrence, and then Michael Dogby. And now, we've seen in the past, Cardinals sometimes will go with two defensive linemen to get their playmakers on the field, and that's packages that Vance Joseph will come up with. Obviously, you want to have some um, you know bigs out there, and that's Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, you know Marcus Golden, Isaiah Simmons, Zayvon Collins. So, 
It'd be interesting to see because, you know, again, they, they're going to dress six, and that's really the healthiest six they have right now. So I do think we're going to see a little mixing and matching when it comes to the defensive line. And if you go with a third inside linebacker with Jordan Hicks, you're able to move Isaiah Simmons around, but you go heavy at inside linebacker and maybe go lighter at the defensive line. I just don't know because if it's a heavy dose of Derrick Henry, it's a heavy dose of Dalvin Cook, you're going to want more bodies closer to the line of scrimmage than maybe offenses that would spread you out a little bit. Yeah, and, and again, when it comes to the starters, i I got to think between Rashard Lawrence and Lucky Foe, too, they're going to rotate with Corey Peters. You know, Zach Allen's young. He's put weight on. You know, he played 14 games last year. He had a career game against the Eagles, so I think you can maybe up his ante when it comes to snap count. And again, you need to have a nice rotation. Watt cannot play every single snap. We'll get more into this coming week's opponent. There are a couple of notes that I think are of interest, especially considering what we talked about a lot during the preseason with the Arizona Cardinals. But I need to remind you, Bird Gang, that this is the week. Wednesday, September 8th. It is episode one of Cardinals Folktales. Episode one is titled Legendary Locker. It discusses the Pat Tillman locker that is on display just outside of the locker room. That locker was preserved. And the story behind that story is the focus of episode one, Cardinals Folktales. Again, this Wednesday, September 8th, it debuts on the Arizona Cardinals official YouTube channel. We continue here on this Monday edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. How much time, MJ, did we discuss, whether it was following the Cowboys game or Chiefs game in the preseason? And obviously there was no third preseason game, but the amounts of preseason snaps for your offensive starters, your defensive starters, and it was a question again asked Kingsbury earlier today whether there were concerns specifically about the offense, your quarterback offensive line, pass catchers not on the field for any number of snaps. Was that a concern? He said no, based off of a year ago. No one had any preseason snaps, and everyone got through the regular season. But it was certainly a lot talked about, and for a lot of the fan base, which I understand, considering what they showed or maybe what they didn't show in those three series against the Chiefs, that there is a little bit of an unknown going into this week because we haven't seen anything unless for those people who have gone to State Farm Stadium during the open practice practices during training camp. I'll say this. If they come out and they're not able to move the football like they did the first month of the season, then there's re- there's reason for criticism because you, you see Tom Brady and Bruce Arians. You see you know, um, Andy Reid and, and the Chiefs playing their starters. Now, obviously the Chiefs are trying to find out who some of the starters on the offensive line. That was an issue in the Super Bowl last year. But only thing I can tell you is just talking to some of the uh, coaches – uh, this offense was humming towards the end of training camp. And, yes, Hop was practicing. A.J. Green was practicing. So they, they had a full strength of players. Now, Andy Isabella missed a couple practices, obviously missed a couple uh, preseason games. But for the most part, I don't think uh, Chase Edmonds and Connor maybe missed a couple practices. But for the most part, Jonathan Ward and Eno Benjamin, the tight ends were practicing. So, you know, again, uh, they're going to get judged on what happens during the season, and that's the way it should be. But I, I know, talking to people in the building, they're excited. 
They're optimistic about this offense, and they like the way they finish in training camp where Kyler Murray had his best camp in three years. The first couple years, more about X's and O's. You talk to the players now, they know the offense. They're not learning the new offense. It's A lot of it's dictated on coverage. If the coverage is different pre-snap versus post-snap, you have to change your route, so we shouldn't have as much miscommunication. We should have separation from the receivers. But inside the building, they feel comfortable with this offense going into the season. Kyler Murray and company, nine snaps in the preseason. But if you were at training camp, those open practices at State Farm Stadium, you did see, to your point, this offense looking very, very good. The ball hardly touched the ground. They were able to move the football up and down against the first-team defense. There were some great battles. But what most of America saw were those three series on national television against the Kansas City Chiefs where you go three and out, total minus one yard, and we're all left wondering, okay, well, this is year three. What are we going to see? Well, we don't have to wonder that anymore. It's coming up later this week. Yeah, and again, anytime you step on the field, we know Murray doesn't like to play in preseason games, but you have to compete. And there were there were, there were some miscues in there. The Christian Kirk, yes, he's got to come back for the ball. It would have been a tough catch. you got to catch the football. The miscommunication over the middle with Rondell Moore, uh, hopefully that minimizes as they get in the season. James Conner had a nice little hole to run through, and I thought he thought, you know what, it's a preseason game. I'm not going to try to you know, burn someone or try to run someone over. I'm going to live for another down. And then just Kyler not throwing the ball away and taking that two-yard sack. So those are things that you, when you step on the field, I don't care if you like preseason or not, you have to compete, and that's a disappointing thing. They didn't compete, and a lot of it was mental errors, and that's something that um, you know was a factor in this team last year, penalties. And we're going to have penalties, and you just hope that there's not a lot of special teams issues. I think Jeff Rogers does a great job with his team, but those are little things going into week one. And the Cardinals cannot beat themselves, and they got to eliminate chunk plays. You cannot allow the ball to go over your head, which we'll get into a little bit later in the week. I wonder if the Titans fan base feels the same way about their offense because we kind of live in our own little bubble here and don't pay attention a lot to other teams. But just doing a little work over the weekend, you look at the Tennessee Titans, their quarterback, Ryan Tannehill, just activated off the COVID list. Well, they have five other players remaining on the reserve COVID-19 list as we speak here on this Monday, September 6th, including three starters, their right guard, Nate Davis, their center, Ben Jones, and their tight end, Jeff Swain. Tannehill, A.J., Brown, Julio Jones played zero snaps in the preseason. We also did not see Derrick Henry in the preseason. So this is not just to the Arizona Cardinals. This has happened throughout the league, certain teams more than others. But the Tennessee Titans are in the same boat and maybe even worse off as far as what they were able to see in training camp and preseason compared to the Cardinals. And as we talked about, that reserve COVID-19 list, you're talking about two of your offensive linemen and your number one tight end may or may not be available week one. That's that's big for this week. The only thing I'll say is is they've been a team to beat in that division over the last couple of years. We know Jacksonville changes head coaches. They bring in a new young quarterback. Uh, Houston just trying to find their uh, their way with Tyrod Taylor and, and David Culley. So it's really been a two-team race over the last couple of years with them and the Colts. So um, they, they, they did lose their offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith. He's the head coach of the Falcons. He did a great job getting players in space. They had a really good tight end there. Um, I'm assuming that you know between AJ Brown and 
and Julio Jones and, and Derrick Henry, they've been getting reps in practice. But the, uh, again, when you lose your quarterback for that long a period of time and they didn't play against another. Now, they did have a couple joint practices. So, you again, you know how I feel about those. You can go against the starters versus, you know, one team has their second unit out there versus the first. But And, and right now they're, they haven't announced who their right tackle is. Um, it looks like Caleb Farley, a lot of talk about him coming in the draft. He's still trying to find his way there. So they're going to go with a couple different corners, including Janoris Jenkins. And I got to think they call him Jackrabbit for a reason. I guess they were watching film, and, and a coach said, you look like a Jackrabbit. He said, well, I used to chase rabbits growing up. I think Anquan Bolden and a lot of those guys in the South did that um, because they weren't able to work at other places. But I, I'm curious to see if Jackrabbit's going to cover – DeAndre Hopkins, guy, I think that's the matchup, and we know Hop obviously is one of the best wide receivers in football, so that opens up things for other guys. Consider they don't have their first-round pick playing corner. Possibly he could be inactive or as a depth guy. Fair point to make about the Titans, and they are playoff team versus the Cardinals, not a playoff team. So there is a little bit known or not so much concern, if you will. The concern, though, would be Julio Jones and A.J. Brown dealing with injuries. Again, the first official injury report comes out on Wednesday, and we'll discuss it with you here as well on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. A reminder, if you enjoy what you hear right now, we invite you to subscribe to every Arizona Cardinals podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. That way you never miss your favorite show you can listen on the go, Cardinals Underground, the Big Red Raids, the Cardinals Red Sea Report, the Dave Pash Podcast, and of course this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. Hinted at it earlier in the show, and that is the practice squad. 17 players, one additional player allowed for the Cardinals because of the international player exemption that is tied in Bernard Sykovitz, but officially now 16 players, and we can say this, Bergang, the entire seven-player 2021 draft class is on the Arizona Cardinals in some form or fashion. you got Zayvon Collins, Rondell Moore, Marco Wilson, Victor DiMuchegi, and Tay Gowan on the 53-man roster, and then James Wiggins and Michael Minette did make the practice squad something to consider as far as when you look at Manette and Wiggins down the road, that there is something that this team saw enough of in training camp to say, you know what, let's bring you back and see if we can't develop. Maybe it's later this season or it's a season ahead. Well, Michael Manette, he was throwing in a mix, and you know he obviously didn't really grade out very well according to Pro Football Focus. Again, he's a guy that's built for the future. He's he's a three or three year starter. Um, at Penn State, he was a team captain. He looks the part. So this is a perfect scenario for him. Um, you don't want anything to happen to Rodney Hudson because he's obviously, you know, head and shoulders above everyone else. He's a big signing for the Cardinals. He's going to, you know, tame things down for the offensive line. And so it's nice to see, you know, five of the the seven guys make the actual roster. Now I don't know what's going to happen with Tay Gowan as we get closer to the end of the week just because I don't know if you can go in a game with two rookies. We know Marco Wilson – is going to be active just based on special teams. He could be your nickel corner. He could play inside and outside. You know, if you feel comfortable with Murphy on the outside against Julio or Robert Alford against Julio or somebody like that, 
um, then I do think you're going to have to add another veteran corner, and we'll get into some of those names right now. Yeah, that is uh, where I was going. Just want to let everyone else know the players with the team during training camp that are still with the team on the practice squad, wide receivers Andre Bocelli and Greg Dorch, offensive linemen Sean Harlow, Coda Martin, tight end Ross Travis, linebacker Kylie Fitz, cornerback Jace Whitaker. So all familiar names, and we'll really see these players activated or elevated from the practice squad of the active roster over the weekend remains to be seen. But there are three new names that we do want to get to here on Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Two cornerbacks and one wide receiver. Let's go with the cornerbacks because we had a big discussion about this last week when news broke that Malcolm Butler was on the reserve retired list and this team needed to add another veteran corner. It didn't really matter to me who it was going to be. Saw the news earlier that the 49ers signed Josh Norman. He was another name that is out there, and we keep hearing Richard Sherman. His name is still out there. But the Cardinals did add a pair of veteran cornerbacks, Rasul Douglas and Antonio Hamilton. Douglas, six foot two, four years in the league, 60 games, 29 starts with the Eagles, and last season played with the Panthers. And then Hamilton, again, six feet. He's got five years in the league. 57 games, two starts with the Raiders, Giants, and last season time with the Kansas City Chiefs. So those are two names to keep an eye on who may be elevated to the 53-man roster over the weekend to give this team a little bit more experience in that cornerback room. Yeah, and let's take a look at Douglas. I like the size. I I know more about him than Hamilton, even though Hamilton's been in the league five years. All these guys have bounced around a little bit. I want to say most recently Douglas was with the uh, Houston Texans in training camp, so you're not pulling a guy off the street. They've been in camp. They've been you know, grinding when it comes to in football shape. So Douglas, to me, is a guy that I'm going to take a look at just from a standpoint. He's got the experience and good size, and you're going against Julio Jones and, and A.J. Brown in week two. you got Adam Thielen, who's not the tallest guy, but then you got Justin Jefferson, and, of course, they got a nice tight end there. So uh, Douglas is a guy – uh, that I'm curious to see what kind of um, information we get throughout the course of the week. Vance Joseph does talk on Thursdays. How quickly can he adapt to this defense? We know it's very complex. Cardinals like to play man-to-man press. Will they play a little zone here so to stop the run, force, you know, uh, have, go heavy in the front seven? So hopefully we'll learn more over the next couple of days. But again, it wouldn't be a surprise if we see one of these corners get promote it on Saturday afternoon because I don't think you can go in there with two rookies. Yeah, you look at the cornerback room right now. Byron Murphy, Robert Alford, Marco Wilson, Tay Gowan, Luke Barku. Those are five names with two rookies, Wilson and Gowan. But to your point about Douglas and Hamilton, they were in training camp. They are in football shape. That needs to be stressed a lot. Yes, they were released, but why were they released? Is it a numbers game? Did their team just not have room for them? And this is different than going and finding a Josh Norman or a Richard Sherman off the street where they haven't been with the team. They haven't been working out, not on their own, but working out under a team setting, meaning you're on the football field doing football activities against 11 other guys. You've got 10 teammates. You're watching film. All of that plays a factor to where if you do add Douglas and Hamilton this week and make them active on Sunday, you feel you should feel a lot more confident as opposed to bringing someone 
off the street, especially at that cornerback position. Yeah, I don't know about both, just because you got to find some special team players now. Josh Norman's more of a – he's a nickel guy. Cardinals are flooded with nickel guys. Byron Murphy, uh, obviously Chase Whitaker's on the practice squad, and then Marco Wilson can play inside and outside. So it's a good uh, – a luxury to have because I know Byron Murphy prefers probably to play on the outside. That's where you can go against the number one receivers. We know this league has changed when it comes to the slot. So um, they got different guys that can do different things, but they're going to put the best 11 out there. And I got to think they're starting two corners. If teams want to come out with two wide receiver sets, it's going to be Robert Alford and Byron Murphy to start. And then eventually Marco Wilson will work, work his way in there. He could be your nickel corner in this game based on what we're hearing today, but I think it could change over the week. And it just wouldn't surprise me. Don't get caught up on who's starting because maybe Marco Wilson is that third cornerback and they're starting the game. Pay attention to the snap counts at the end, whether that's Sunday night or Monday morning, to really get an idea on how much these players are on the football field because you can get that start designation, but then you don't see the field the rest of the ball game. And we know teams between 67 and 70% of the time, they're rolling an 11 person out there I w- it wouldn't surprise me um, they went out and got Josh Reynolds I want to say from the the Rams so he's their third receiver he's a tall skinny guy so I'm assuming that's their offense but they do roll some tight ends out there because they want to win the liner scrimmage and something we're going to focus on all week with the uncertainty after the top two or three corners they're going to have to get pressure up front and that means try to Contain the run. You're not going to shut the run game down. Get them in third and long where you can tee out. But that front seven is going to have to do their job so those uh, the secondary guys don't have to cover for five or six seconds. If they can cover for a few seconds, they get pressure, get Tannehill off his spot. But he's a very underrated quarterback. He makes all the nice tight throws. He's in a perfect system there in Tennessee. All the question marks that fans and media have about the Cardinals cornerbacks, all very fair. And those questions can be answered quickly if there is a consistent pass rush and you getting to the quarterback or you get into the ball carrier, you making them have to have to throw that football a lot quicker, a lot sooner than they want to. And then, yeah, it's going to be baptism by fire for Marco Wilson, much like it was two years ago for Byron Murphy, although those were different circumstances. Wilson, hopefully you can bring him along at his own pace. If he's shown that he is ready, willing, and able, then you put him out there more. Not because you have to, but that he has earned those snaps. And it goes back to having a Byron Murphy and hopefully, knock on wood, a healthy Robert Alford, which he is because he was on the field earlier on Monday. Well, it's a great point. And Patrick gets a six-game suspension. They lose Alford you know, as they get closer to the season. So all of a sudden, Byron Murphy's out there and you know, clearly there's going to be a drop-off, and he, he he got picked on, and he learned from it, and I think he's one of the better corners on the roster. According to the team, they look like him as the number one corner in football. And to me, number one corners normally play on the outside, but they do have some flexibility with that slot corner position. I'll say this again about Douglas and Hamilton. I do like their size as far as their length. Anytime you can have a corner that's six feet or taller, all of a sudden you feel a little bit better about yourself as opposed to having a 5'9", 5'10", corner going up against a 6'3", 6'4", wideout. Yeah, and i got to assume if these guys are going to be active, at least one of the two, if not both, they're going to have to play on special teams, and that means you're going to have to learn on the fly. Now, if you go back to Douglas – he played a lot on special teams. He, he played in 60 games. 
Um, he was actually with the Eagles when they made their little run in the playoffs. I think he got a chance to play in the postseason. But 60 games, 29 starts. So he's been active a lot of games for playing on special teams. And that can go well if you want to get in uh, in with Jeff Rogers because we know five to seven, eight guys besides a long snapper, punter, and kicker, uh, they're designated. If you're a backup, you're going to have to play on teams. So that at least Douglas and Hamilton have played on teams. And Hamilton, he was with the Chiefs, and a lot of people thought that maybe he could make the roster. Obviously, they got a deep wider uh, cornerback position or se- secondary there. So, again, you only can keep 53 guys, and these are this is the reason why these guys are available. And then, as you pointed out last week, don't forget about Isaiah Simmons being able to cover, whether it's a tight end or a wide receiver in the slot, his ability to, because of his skill sets and just his ability to play outside of just the inside linebacker position. He might be moved around a little bit more than this team is comfortable with, but just based out of necessity, when you look at the cornerback position and if you need to use Simmons as an option because you're just not getting it from a Marco Wilson or whomever else might be active that particular day. Yeah, good point. Now, you know, he clearly, I, I got to think he's going to draw the assignment on the tight ends. Now, they obviously lost their top tight end, Smith. He went to the New England Patriots. Uh, I think it was the first day of free agency, and they went out and signed two tight ends there. So they're probably getting back to when they had Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez. But, anyways, yeah. So this is a scenario where. He, you, you just you just got to make sure um, that Isaiah is comfortable. I think he's night and day from a year ago. He kind of said that he's still working on the weak side linebacker spot, but I, there's packages we're going to see. We saw him in camp where he can line up, get after the quarterback. If teams are showing only two wide receivers or three, he can line up in the slot, the cover that he did it with uh, Mikal uh, Hardman a couple of times in the Kansas City game, which is encouraging to me. So, I don't. I I wouldn't expect him to play all over. We know he played nine different positions. That's not going to happen at this level. But I I think initially, probably cornerback covering the tight end and getting a chance to rush the quarterback based on down and distance. Well, remember what linebackers coach Bill Davis said in the offseason on the Big Red Raid. Simmons was trained in six different positions. He played nine different positions at Clemson. Six is probably right around where you would expect him to go, and he was asked about it again earlier on Monday, but he went back to it. His focus is inside linebacker. He's comfortable moving around, and I think it kind of gets your juices flowing and, and you feel like you're being more effective, and that was the key word for for him, if he can be effective at different positions, whether that's linebacker or in the secondary, then yeah, you keep doing it. But the moment that it is too much for him, then you have to dial it back. But if he's open and willing to do it, that's the reason why they drafted him in the first round. Yeah, and I like what he said on Monday. He's been watching film. You know, obviously they'll get the game plan, but he looked he looked at certain players and you know how they performed last year. I think we all know it starts with Derrick Henry and the addition of Julio Jones and AJ Brown and you know their secondary. Um, I can say this out loud: Malcolm Butler was their best corner last year. Now, obviously, they got Janoris Jenkins uh, as a free agent. He, he'll obviously be their best corner. So, um, once again, um, Isaiah to me, uh, I don't think it's going to be a surprise. Maybe in the first couple of weeks, and started with Kyle Vandenbosch, who joins us throughout the year. Is I think. Jordan Hicks is going to play a lot in these first couple of weeks just to help out Zayvon Collins and allows Isaiah Simmons to roam more than him just sitting as a, as a weak side or a strong side linebacker. Certainly there is 
again, we talked about it, that question mark at that cornerback position, and this team would be much better if it did have Malcolm Butler. It doesn't, so you move on, you move forward, and you figure out how to compensate for that loss, and it is a big loss. I'd feel much better if he was on this team going into week one if, as opposed to right now, but you do have some other additional options that you might find, and who knows, maybe there is that Jonathan Joseph, that Drake Kirkpatrick that you find late in the offseason or late in training camp in the regular season, and you roll the dice, and are they you know top two, top three? No, but they come in and they play a role, and they play that role very well. Yeah, and you know I don't want to talk about Malcolm Butler because he's not here anymore, but it, it would definitely settle things down. You're not forced to play Marco Wilson right away. Now, Aeneas Williams, a third-round pick, they announced he was going to be the starting corner in training camp, okay? He struggled his first year. Patrick Peterson played all 16 games. Yes, he returned four punt returns for touchdowns. He had two interceptions, 54 tackles, which was a career high. Jeff Okuda last year, he he was ranked 124th out of 130 cornerbacks. He had some injuries. Um, he was very confident going in. We remember the game against us. So... It's good. It's going to be some growing pains, and it's because sometimes you're on an island and you're covering, you know, you're covering guys that have been in the league five, six, seven years. So Aeneas Williams, Patrick Peterson, Jeff Okuda was the third pick in the draft. They all kind of struggled. You hope that they can make progress from September to October, and usually right around the eight games or nine, they start to get the feel of what it's like to be an NFL player. So. It's going to be uh, your starting Collins, and then you're going to substitute some other guys. We know Rondell Moore. I think that position uh, is he'll, he'll he'll be able to uh, adapt faster because he's a, a wide receiver and he's got the speed, and he's they're going to utilize him in this offense. When it comes to Collins, and then you throw in Wilson, it's a little bit different based on their positions. All right, you brought up the wide receiver position. Let's touch on the other practice squad player, a veteran that the Cardinals brought in and put on their 17-player practice squad, and that is Josh Doxson, the former first-round draft pick of Washington in 2016. Opted out of last season, so not any recent film on him, but here's a name that did surface during training camp. He reportedly worked out for the team. They didn't do anything with him at the time, but here he is is six foot three 206 pounds again like an AJ Green and Antoine Wesley a receiver who is taller than six feet so there is some depth there on the practice squad if you needed someone to spell an AJ Green or even an Antoine Wesley but it is an interesting talent hasn't lived up to the hype or the draft status back in 2016 but he is now an Arizona Cardinal yeah and I'm curious to see who the fifth receiver is going to be because the way they've been talking about Ian Isabella and we haven't found out who's going to be the punt returner we assume Rondell Moore will be the kick returner but nothing nothing uh, is official there so Antoine Wesley had a really good camp um, is he ready can he play on special teams but um, so if they dress five, is is Wesley ahead of Isabella? I don't know that. I know Cliff is excited about his speed. You can go four or five wide. Now when it comes to Dotson, he's had some injuries, and, and, and I think the Cardinals just want to take a look at him. So I don't know if we'll see him right away, but he's got a big body. I like his number, 89, 6'3", 206, as you mentioned, opted out. But he's got the talent. He just hasn't been able to stay healthy. So they don't need him right now, but we know injuries occur at certain positions. So they do have a guy uh, that has good size, runs good routes. Now it's a matter of him 
picking up the offense again, learning the routes, and then learning where the defense is at. Well, that's the purpose of a practice squad. I think it's changed over the years, and yes, it's development, but it's also become plan B, plan C. You can't keep everyone on a 53-man roster, so who can you slide through waivers? Who can get who you can get on your practice squad? And I do think this 16-player practice squad with as many as six slots available for veterans is going to stay. I think the teams like it. We know the Players Association likes it because it means more jobs for players, but it was a necessity because of the pandemic. We're still in the midst of a pandemic, but it does allow a little bit more flexibility for teams in the events of a freak injury during the week or someone does test positive, you have more options in your own building as opposed to having to look outside and then bring in someone on a Thursday and Friday and, hey, you're suiting up and playing on a Sunday. Nothing against uh, Andrew uh, Bocelli or Greg Dorich. They just haven't played. I mean, uh, you know, so, but I, I'm intrigued by those guys just like I was with JoJo Ward and A.J. Richardson. And But I, I think if you look at Dotson, He's a guy that has the veteran experience, and hopefully he can show progress in the next couple of weeks if an injury occurs. I'd rather have a veteran guy than going out there with a young player. I think Dorch and Bocelli had really good camps. They caught the ball. Dorch caught the ball in traffic. Um, so I like where they're at. But, again, you're only going to dress five or six depending on special teams. But I think Dotson would be a better option, at least initially during the season. On the subject of special teams, Rondell Moore made available to the media on Monday. He was asked specifically, hey, they told you about returning kicks, returning punts. And he said, no, nothing yet. I'll do whatever is asked. Kingsbury was asked about it. No, we're still working through it. I would anticipate that it would be Rondell Moore doing both kickoffs and punt returns unless they see him on par or ahead of Christian Kirk where he's playing a lot of wide receiver, then all of a sudden now you have to look and say, all right, is it Eno Benjamin on kickoffs? Is it Andy Isabella? Or is it Christian Kirk on punt return? So this is something that might change on a week-to-week basis unless you want to find one particular player, in this case Rondell Moore, because I do think a lot of the reason why they drafted him, MJ, was because of his ability on special teams, and this team could use a boost as far as returning kicks and returning punts, putting that offense in better field position and giving the team, especially at home, a little bit of momentum, if you will, as far as you get the crowd excited after a 10, 12, 15-yard punt return or a 25-35 yard kickoff return. All of a sudden, everyone's excited because of what Rondell Moore was able to do. Yeah, and that was a priority going in the offseason. I, 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 th- I think he's definitely going to kick return. I'll have to wait and see if, if Isabella is active. Does he return punts? Uh, again, he's, you know, you got to know the 10 yard rule. You got to possess the ball and then go from there. And we know Christian Kirk's done in the past. So I think it's going to come down to how many numbers they have. And then we'll just have to wait, wait for his snap count on offense because the last thing you want to do is these guys have never played a 15 game schedule unless you, you play in the bowl game and get to the national championship. Now you got. 17 game schedule in 18 weeks so um, I think Rondo Moore is a guy that will have an impact early in this season than some of these other rookies. I hope that you just find one player to do both or if you have to use two different players because now all of a sudden to your point you know five or six wide receivers active on game day three or four running backs active on game days there's someone else's I know we've seen it in training camp especially during the open portion that Byron Murphy was back there returning punts I think that's just something to keep him 
at the ready, if you will, because he does have some experience. It's been a while since he's done it, but you need to have someone that in the event that there is an injury, whoever you send back there, one, fields the kick cleanly, and then what you do after that, that's a bonus. But feel the kick, the punt cleanly, so you're not turning the football over. Yeah, regardless of who it is, this team needs to get more uh, return yards. I mean, it'd be nice. Uh, and sometimes teams are going to kick it high and short, and you got to make a decision. You're going to kick it out of the end zone, so you start at the 25. But it'd be nice to get out to the 35, 37 yard line, and then the next thing you know, a first down. You're close to midfield. So I, I do think that's been a a priority going into the offseason, and we'll have to wait and see. I, I do think more will at least do one. And I got some other good news, Craig. When it comes to um, Christian Kirk, I was told by a reliable source that he's playing the H uh, wide receiver position. I always thought it was X, Y, and Z, but that means he's a guy that can line up as an H back. We know that Rondell Moore is a guy that can catch the bubble screens, the jet sweeps. And Christian Kirk's healthy. I thought he had a really good camp. I know it's a contract year for him. So according to my source, he's playing his natural position, which only will help this offense if more can settle in. We know A.J. Green's had a really good camp. And then obviously um, DeAndre Hopkins. And speaking of A.J. Green, you know, we look at his numbers, you know, his first year, I think seven years in the league, he had 1,000 yards or more. And then he's been dealing with toe issues, foot issues, and ankle issues for the last couple of years, and I was told he is 100% healthy, that there's no issues with him. That's good news. So it's not a fluke what we were able to see in training camp and and just the, the fact that he's going to take some of the double teams off a hop. So that's encouraging to me because, you know, the knock is can he stay healthy? Well, I'm telling you from my source he's 100% healthy, and that's the reason why he looks like he is and training camp, and now we need to see it in the regular season. He was one of the early surprises of training camp because based off his injury situation and his injury history, you weren't exactly sure what you were going to get from him. And all of a sudden, that first couple of the practices, and it was number 18, was everywhere and looked very, very smooth and wasn't didn't seem like he was going full speed, but he was still getting behind the defense and those DBs. So I am very excited to see A.J. Green because for the first time in his career, he is a number two wide receiver. I think he's looking forward to that because there's not going to be a lot of attention on him at least week one. Now that might change if he produces, but you cannot forget about number 10 on the other side. No, and and, and I'm telling you, I mean, a lot of these guys like Watt, you know, they, they were in a difficult situation with their franchise. They were going a different direction. So, the, uh, you know, obviously the Texans did a favor to J.J. Watt release him before free agency. But I'm telling you, A.J. Green, reset button. He loves practicing on grass. He's going to play at least eight games at home on grass. We can look at the schedule. Tennessee's on grass. A couple other opposing cities, San Francisco's on grass. Um, So he's really thrilled that he's finally 100%. And he's good to go, and he feels like he he could put up big numbers in this offense. And I'm looking forward to watching him because, uh, again, I don't. You look at training camp, and yes, sometimes the defense wins one day and the next. But you're right; the first couple of days they could not cover Rondell Moore and AJ Green. They were getting behind the defense, and it, it changes throughout practice. But I, again, I think that's a compliment to both of those guys how hard they've worked and also to Kyler Murray just finding his weapons and knowing when to throw to them. You know what else I'm looking forward to seeing? Folktales. 
And episode one, Legendary Locker, debuts this week, September 8th, on the Cardinals' official YouTube channel. It is the story behind the story of the Pat Tillman Locker that was saved when there were renovations being done here at the Dignity Health Arizona Cardinals Training Center. It's a great project all season long, and episode one comes your way this week. It is Legendary Locker. Before we exit here, I need to give a shout-out to defensive line coach Brenton Buckner because... Yes, the coaches were in town and were able to do some work, but then there was also some time off as well. For Coach Buckner, this was a special weekend for him. He tweeted this on Saturday morning, MJ. In 1989, my father watched me run down the hill at Clemson for the first time. It meant the world to me. Today at Autzen, I will witness my son take the field for his first college game, Priceless Memories. Bird Gang, his son... Brandon, freshman outside linebacker for the 11th-ranked Oregon Ducks who had to hold off Fresno State over the weekend, 31-24. But Coach Buck able to see his son. It's one thing to see him on Friday night in high school. It's another thing on the college front. And hopefully there are more instances in which Coach Buckner can watch Brandon play. But uh, it is something that we kind of forget. You know, coaches and players, we just see them on our television sets. But these are people who have lives beyond the football field, family lives. And for Coach Buckner, I just wanted to give a shout-out because for someone who covered high school football for a long time, still pays attention to it, I enjoy these moments, especially for the families, to watch their son or their daughter in action at the next level. Yeah, and, you know, when when Buck came back here, you know, after, um, you know, the Cardinals decided to bring him back after Ron Marinelli ended up with the Raiders, um, I was following him on Twitter, and really his son Brandon – outstanding high school football player, and there's a reason why he's playing for Oregon. And they're on TV a lot, so I'm sure he's going to get a chance to see him. I don't know about the home and away against ASU, and I don't know if the Cardinals are on the road, but uh, that's got to be his father's dream. The fact that his father was there and now he, he, he was able to see his son, that's the way it should be if you're able to get that opportunity. Big one this week for Oregon as they take on Ohio State. I'm sure Coach Buckner will have one eye on that and, of course, trying to figure out how to stop Derrick Henry on (laughs) Sunday. So it's going to be an interesting week for uh, Coach uh, Brenton Buckner and the uh, entire Buckner family. And on that note, let's put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Just getting started, it is game week, week one. Much more as we get closer and closer to September 12th. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.